Hi, everyone. I'm Charlie Boyd, and welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted just to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. If you've been around here any length of time, you know that we hold to the supremacy of Scripture over all things, over all things traditional, over all things cultural, over all things personal. What God says in Scripture supersedes the way I think things should be, supersedes what my particular church traditions may have been, supersedes the cultural shifts taking place in our world today. So with that foundation, let's start with the deacons. Can a woman be a deacon? Now, I grew up in a Baptist church. I served as a pastor in three Baptist churches where there was a senior pastor and deacons, no elders. And the deacons were like a board of directors that affected church life at monthly business meetings. The deacons focused on things like property, finances, and putting fires out in the church unless the deacons were the ones that were starting the fires. (laughs) And I got burned as a young pastor several times. Now, in that church leadership tradition, there are no women deacons. And uh, this church began as a Baptist church in that tradition, senior pastor and deacons. It did, uh, even before I got here, they began to make this change to elders and deacons. But currently, we don't have women serving as deacons. Now, of course, we have lots of women who are carrying out the function of deacons in various forms in the church. I mean, I think our Stephen ministry with men and women serving there, they're basically serving as deacons and caring for people. That's deacon ministry. And in one sense, I do think that God is more concerned with people, men and women, carrying out the role and function of deacons, serving to meet all kinds of practical needs in the church, than he is with who carries the title of deacon especially in a church this size. But I will confess that I've come to see in Scripture that in an elder-led church, women can serve as deacons. Two passages of Scripture support this, I believe. The first is in Romans chapter 16. And Paul has come to the end of his great gospel letter to the Romans. And in chapter 16, it's really amazing how many people he knows in the church of Rome. And he's never been there before. He, knows, he mentions over 30 people in, in chapter 16. And the very first person he mentions in his closing personal greetings is a woman named Phoebe. And he writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron, a financial supporter of many people and of myself as well. Now, the word servant there in verse one can also be translated as deacon. In fact, it's the same exact word used to describe the office of deacon in Paul's letter to Timothy that we looked at earlier. And there's no question in my mind that Phoebe was a deaconess who served the church meeting practical needs. 
Paul mentions eight other women, important women, that served the church uh, in Rome, but none of the other greetings come even close to how he describes Phoebe here. The best reading of that scripture is Phoebe, a deaconess in the church. Now, the second passage that I want to bring to your attention is 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to put this up on the screen. So going back to the verse 8 to talk about deacons. He's made the shift from elders to deacons. And he says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Now, he's going to use, I don't care what your translation says, the original Greek is this, these are all plural words. They're not male words, male pronouns like when he talked about elder. He says, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and, th- and let them be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Verse 11, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Clearly talking about men here, verse 12, let deacons be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household wells. Now, so the deacons must be the husband of one wife. Obviously, Paul is talking about men there in verse 12, probably talking about men in verses 8 through 10. But what about verse 11? Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. The Greek word gune can mean wise, but it's the most common word for women, women as opposed to men. And translated that way, verse 11 would read, women likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. If translated that way, in a context, talking about deacons, it would properly be referring to women deacons or deaconesses. Now, that makes sense to me for several reasons, because if Paul meant to say what wives, he would have said their wives. And I know some of your ES, the ESV translation says their wives. The word there is not there in the Greek, even though several English translations insert the word there, there. I worked on that. that. Um, second, if Paul addressed the wives of deacons here, why not address the wives of elders? Uh, he, he doesn't do that. Elders and deacons must be the husband of one wife. That's the same. But what's not the same is the additional exhortation to women when he's talking about deacons. So I take it that women can serve as deacons in a church where there are elders and deacons. And those women would serve to meet the practical needs of women, especially in situations where it wouldn't be appropriate for a man to care for a widow or a single woman or whatever. Now, if you wanna read more about this, you can check out the Gospel Coalition online article entitled, Does the Bible Support Women Deacons? Yes, by a really great scholar, Thomas Schreiner. Okay, so, next question, and I'm asked this with more and more frequency these days. Does fellowship have women elders and women teaching pastors? And the answer to that is no. And so the next question is, why not? So reason being, first of all, when Paul writes to Timothy and Titus, all the pronouns are male. The elders must be a husband of one wife. Plus the fact at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 2, Just before he starts to talk about the qualifications of male elders, 
Paul says this. Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Now, you need to understand how this is a radical pro-women statement in Paul's day. Because first of all, in that day, women could not be in a public meeting with a man. And men and women are worshiping together in the same church. Men and women have the same gifts going on in the, in the church. But all secondly, women in that day were not allowed to be taught the scriptures. And Paul is saying that men and women can learn right alongside of each other. He's just calling out, most people think that in the church in Ephesus, there was an unruly bunch of women. And he's saying, let them learn in silence. Don't, don't let them try to take over the meeting. Verse uh, 13, for God made Adam first and afterward he made Eve. It was not Adam who was deceived by Satan and woman, the woman was deceived and sin was the result. Now, Paul's reason for not allowing women to serve as elders is rooted in the order of creation. But even this doesn't sound like what you think it sounds like. It doesn't mean what you think it sounds like. In that culture, everyone understood that birth order always meant that the firstborn, in this case, Adam, had, had a certain role and responsibility and accountability that was not given to Eve. Yes, Eve was deceived, but it was Adam who had to answer for both his sin and her sin. After the fall, God came looking for who? Adam, where are you? He had the accountability. And... Um, she sinned and Eve sinned and yes, sin spread through the entire human race, but sin comes through Adam, not through Eve. And so again, this goes back to the fact that the firstborn, Adam, had an accountability to God, a role and a responsibility that God didn't put on the woman. Now, it's still hard, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like Jesus said in a very different context, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? <laughs> In today's world, not, not many. Uh, hear me. Paul is not dissing women here. He actually is elevating women out of that cultural time. He's simply tying his point back to the creation and fall. Why is that important? Because it's not a cultural issue. It's not culture. It's not a culture difference between ancient culture and modern culture. Now, I don't mean to come across arrogant here, but please don't send me the titles of books and articles and YouTube videos for the opposing view. I mean, there are a lot, I'm, there are a lot of really good Christians, a lot of good scholars, you know, on the other side. But through the years, I have read many, many books and articles. I've listened, watched videos and all that kind of stuff. I've watched them on both sides of the issue. And as much as I would like to be able to change my mind about this, I can't in good conscience do so, and here's why. To look at what Paul says here and explain the hard to accept, yet plain language of scripture, to explain it away based on ancient patriarchal culture. If you do that based on culture, then that opens the door to explain away pretty much any other thing in scripture that you don't like in order to embrace modern culture. So the hermeneutic you use 
to justify women elders and women teaching pastors and all that kind of thing. Whatever hermeneutic you use to get around the plain statements of the text, you can use that same thing to pretty much do with the Bible whatever you want. And that's exactly what's happening in the church today, in many churches today, with other things like the redefinition of marriage and male and female genders. But you see, how God has designed life to work in this world, does, it's, it's, it's countercultural. God doesn't accommodate himself to the whims of modern culture. He calls people in every culture, ancient or modern, to embrace life the way he has said it's supposed to be lived. And in ancient culture, this was paradigm-breaking, elevating women to a status that they had never experienced prior to this time. Now hear me. Scripture makes it clear that men and women are equals at the foot of the cross. That's Galatians 3.28. Scripture makes it clear that God gives men and women the same kinds of spiritual gifts, meaning men and women are partners together in every area of ministry. All the ministries in the church are open to all qualified men and women with the singular exception of the office of elders. Women can serve as deacons, teach, lead worship, serve communion, be in full-time paid ministry. And boy, we're thankful because we got a bunch of full-time women around here who are really great folks. There you go. And he said, well, well, what about Deborah? Okay, what about Deborah? She was a judge. She wasn't an elder. Well, what about uh, Phoebe and Priscilla and Lydia and Junia, who, call, who Paul calls an apostle in Romans 16, 7? Not, an, not one of the 12, but one of somebody who was sent out. Now, look, there were many, many, many women who served in important leadership roles in the early church, but none of that has any bearing on the office of an elder. None of them are ever referred to as holding to the office of an elder. Ancient church history, uh, like from the um, second century, you see that in writings, there were deacons, women deacons, not elders. And here's the thing, not every man can serve as an elder. Only men who meet a certain biblical qualification and, and, and who have been appointed by the Holy Spirit can serve as elders. Think of it this way, for whatever God's good purposes, he chose one tribe, the tribe of Levi, out of all the 12 tribes of Israel, only Levi could serve in the tabernacle and the temple. Only one tribe, did that mean that that Levi was better than all the other tribes? Of course not. It simply meant that God chose the tribe of Levi, Levi and charged them with sacrificial duties to serve his people that he did not give the other tribes, and he held them accountable for that. Same is true with Jesus' disciples. Many men and women followed Jesus, and, and there were women there at the, in the upper room. There were Lots of women in the room in Acts when the Holy Spirit fell. Lots of very important women in the launch of the church in the book of Acts. But Jesus chose 12 men to be his disciples. And you say, well, well, but that, that, that would have just been too radical. No, not if you choose a tax collector. That was more, that would, that, that, no, 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 no. So that's the kind of arguments you get from the other side. Okay, enough said. If you feel that you really must send an email, please send your emails to jthompson <laughs> at fellowshipgreenville.org.
Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church community, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week, and we'll see you next time.